Uh, we are in part three of our series on superheroes. And my intent with this series is to let you know that you are far more valuable than you think you are, that you indeed can be a hero to someone. Uh, in order to be a hero, we said at first, you got to have a vision. You got to have a vision of what God has for your life. And once you discover that vision, then you've got to use your unique shape that God has designed you for his ministry, for his purpose. But it's not enough just to, to have a vision and, uh, and to use your shape in God's kingdom. Ultimately, God wants to put you in a team. He wants to put you within a team. Now, when we think of superheroes and we think of, of a team, the one that comes to my mind is the Avengers. Uh, they have been real popular uh, the last few years. They were popular back in the 60s, even before that. And the Avengers are a group of super unique individuals. They have some tremendous talents and abilities. But for the most part, they operate from their own philosophy and their own way of doing things. They don't really have any strategy until enters an individual by the name of Captain America. Captain America is the unofficial leader of the team. He's not the strongest. He's not the fastest. Uh, he, he may not be able to fly, but he brings to it an ability to see the bigger picture. And so when Captain America takes control of the Avengers, suddenly the Avengers are fighting with a purpose. Suddenly they're fighting with direction. And when they do that, they are unbeatable as they can defeat any opponent. That's what it takes in order to win this thing that we call life, in order to be a part of this thing we call the Great Commission. It takes a team of superheroes. It takes a team of individuals working together to accomplish that task. Go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as we talk about super team and what it looks like. Uh, in, the, in the scope of things. Somebody once said the team outperforms the individual in the long run every, team, every time. The team outperforms the individual in the long run every time. So let me ask you a question. What teams are you a part of? Stop and think about that. It could be a team at, at, well, at your workplace where you used to work. It could be a team of, of a neighborhood watch. It could be a team of volunteers that you volunteer with. It could be a team right here at Western Heights Baptist Church. What team are you a part of? And I want you to consider those teams as we think about the things that would destroy a team. That's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He talks about the things that would destroy a team. Ultimately, what Paul talks about in this passage, he, he's talking about the importance that each person has on the team and how everyone can be a part of a team. And what Paul is talking about, he's talking about a group of, of unique individuals coming together and, and forming this shape, forming this, this unit so they can function as a group. In this context, he's talking about this new church at Corinth, the first Baptist church of Corinth. Uh, they were coming together and they want to know, how can we be a team? How can we come together and how can we function as a church? So Paul writes this letter to help them understand how they can be a part of a team. And ultimately what Paul says, there's nothing better to describe a team than that of the human body. The human body illustrates perfectly what it means. 
God makes all these different parts. He makes eyes and ears and noses and, and arms and feet and big toes. And, and he makes them all and he puts them in the context of a body. And whatever your, your part you make of the body, whatever part you are, is when you're put with the body is when you become complete. That's when you become what God designs you to be. If you're not a part of the body, then you are incomplete because you're just an appendage, but you're not a part of the body. And so Paul, in talking about this, he talks about the things that would destroy a team. So what will destroy a team? The first thing that Paul says will destroy a team is self-absorption. Self-absorption will destroy the team. Write that down in your notes. Self-absorption destroy, will destroy the team. And Paul says that self-absorption manifests itself in two different ways. First, it manifests itself in the inferiority complex. Look at verses 15 and 17. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? So Paul's talking about all these bodies. When you first, all these body parts, when you first look at this, you say these individuals are being humble. I said, well, you know, we're just not as quite as important. But Paul says, no, they're not being humble. What they're basically saying is that if we can't be this part, if I can't be that part, then I just won't be any part. If I can't serve in a position of, of status, if I can't serve in a position of, of, of importance, then I just won't use my talent anywhere. I won't use my ability anywhere because they think they are inferior to other people. So they said, because of that, they just won't plug in anywhere. So I said that self-absorption reveals itself in the, in two ways, inferiority complex, but it also reveals itself in the superiority complex. Look at verses 21 and 22. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The parts that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So Paul is talking about in this passage, in this section, of those individuals who say, I don't need anyone else. I can do this by myself. I can accomplish the task faster by myself than I ever could with any other individual. I'm just a little bit better, a little bit stronger, a little bit brighter than everyone else. I can do this alone. And what winds up is that individual winds up serving alone and ultimately being alone. And that will destroy a team. Imagine with me this. Imagine you get on an airplane flight and the captain comes over the, the speaker and says, ah, 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 this is your captain speaking. Uh, did y'all catch that? Uh, this is your captain speaking. We just want you to know the reason your, your ticket was so much cheaper today is because we decided to get rid of the maintenance crew that takes care of the plane. We decided to get rid of the air traffic controllers that sat in the tower. And we also decided that we would get rid of those security people checking for weapons and bombs. Have a good flight. How would you feel? You see, here's what the point that Paul's trying to make. The most visible people, 
you see are standing on the shoulders of tens, hundreds of thousands of people that you may never see. And they are giving that individual the opportunity to serve in that capacity. But that person could not serve if it wasn't for all the other ones underneath serving. I know what I do here on Sunday mornings, you know, uh, I couldn't do it if it wasn't for Marcy doing the, the, the PowerPoint, if it wasn't for, you know, uh, uh, Garrett back there running the sound, if it wasn't for, uh, for, for everybody doing their part, if it wasn't for Ann doing the bulletin. I, I couldn't do this. That's not to mention all the people doing the, uh, the singing and all that stuff. But I'm just talking about just what I do in my part. I couldn't do it if it wasn't for those individuals. So Paul says there's things out there that will destroy the team. The inferiority complex and the superiority complex. But make no mistake about it. The root of these complexes are in self-absorption. And Paul cautions us against this, this attitude. Look at verse 18 and what he says in verse 18. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Paul says your significance comes because you know you are a part of something bigger than yourself. Your significance comes uh, be, because you find out it's not about you. You see, self-absorption says it's about me. When you focus on yourself, self-absorption says I look good. Self-absorption draws attention to yourself. And, and we feel like the, the only way that we can prove our significance to God, the only way we can prove our significance to others, the only way we can, uh, we can uh, prove our significance to ourselves is if we perform and we get into the performance mode, doing our own thing. We go our own way, but in the process, we ignore the body because we don't need them to do anything. We can accomplish it by ourselves. And the fact of the matter is, when we get in this performance mode and we're ignoring the body, we end up destroying the team that we're supposed to be upon. When our own personal interests become more important than that of the team, we destroy the team. Sometimes we are busy performing, but, it, but it's, it's not about for ourselves. We get busy performing because it becomes about the task. Uh, we, we've got to get this task done. And there's a danger in that as well. When you become task-oriented, you begin to forget about the people and think about the task. If you're a mom, uh, you know how this works. You got little kids, or you, maybe you remember having little kids, or maybe you got grandchildren, okay? And, and you know it's about the kids. But you get in this thing of, of task. You get in this thing of running the errands. You know what it is. You got to have little Johnny has got to be at swimming lessons. Little Susie's got to be at cheerleading. Little, Tim, little Timmy needs to be at soccer practice. And, and, and little, little Peggy has to be over here at gymnastics. And so you're running them around everywhere they need to go. And then you say, oh, man, I got to go to the grocery store because I need lunch. I need lunch meat so I can pack the lunches for the kids. You know it's about the kids. But what happens is the task pushes the kids out of the way because I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. And you forget about the reason you're doing it. You know it's about the kids. But you become task-oriented. And your schedule gets so hectic and it becomes so high-paced that it's easy to forget the kids. And it becomes about the task. The second thing that will destroy team is a task-only 
focus. Write that down. A task-only focus will destroy the team. Are goals important? You bet they are. Are tasks important? Yeah, they matter. As a matter of fact, successful teams see results. Always see results. But if we accomplish the task and we forget about the people, guess what? We also destroy the team. Paul says in this passage in 1 Corinthians that we ought to have equal concern for each other. He says in Ephesians 2, 19 and 22, these words, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Paul says, look, we're all in this together. Well, we are all in the same boat. We share the same homeland. We share the same turf. And it's only with other people will we ever be the church. You are not the church by yourself. You are only the church when you gather with other individuals. Only with other people will you be a unit in which the Spirit of God can live and the Spirit of God can work. So what does this say to us? What does it say to us as individuals? It says that when you do something, when you do some type of ministry, always do it with a partner. Always. When you do it with a partner, you accomplish three things is what you accomplish. First, I thought I had a slide for this. Maybe I don't. Yeah, there it is. You will get the work done twice as fast. Think about it. If two can come together, you're going to get it done faster. Second, you enjoy the fellowship of a friend. Three, you will begin training another person in an important task. When you do it together. So, so whatever it is, if, if, you're, uh, if you're pulling weeds, man, do it with a friend. If you're, if you're painting a room, do it with a friend. If you're folding a, a bulletin, do it with a friend. You get to enjoy that together. That's what we're trying to accomplish in all the ministry that we plan on doing here at Western Heights Baptist Church. We want everybody to do it as a team. As a team. We'll work together and we share together trying to accomplish those things. And what we do, we shape lives in the process. We're shaping lives of individuals. So task is important. But a focus on the task only will leave us unconnected and eventually without a team. So here's what you do. You get a team together. You get a group of people, but you don't really know what you're going to do. You don't really know, know how it's going to happen. You know, if no one gets the compass out, if no one decides this is the direction we're going to go, imagine this way. You set a map out on the table say, yep, there it is, a map. Somebody eventually says, okay, this is the way we're going to go. Somebody has to decide, we're going to get in this car, and we're going to make this trip. We're going to go that way, and when we arrive at this spot, we'll know that we've reached it. Somebody has to make that decision. Somebody has to provide uh, that guidance. Because if we don't do that, if we don't have a purpose, if we don't have a vision, if we don't have a mission, guess what? We become just busy people who like being together, but we're not really accomplishing anything whatsoever. And that erodes team. Mission blur. Write that down. Mission blur will destroy a team. We talked about this a few weeks ago. An individual 
as individuals, we need a vision of what God has for our life. Guess what? It works in the church as well. As a church, we need a vision of what God is going to do. If I was to diagram it, this is what it would look like. Oh, I did diagram it. <laughs> look at there. The big arrow represents the overall mission, the purpose. You may know what it is. It's called the Great Commission. That's the mission. All the little errors represent all the various ministries of the church. Look, they all got to be pointing in the same direction. Because why? We have mission. We have a mission that we're trying to accomplish. Everybody has to be on the same path. Let me illustrate that with this. And it's not a slap on anybody or anything, but <clears throat> several weeks ago we had a little group come to our, our thing, association, to talk about, talk about hunger and how we can alleviate hunger in our association. Great ministry, great project, support it. As we were sitting around the table, there, an individual talked about what he was going to do and all this stuff, and he said, I want to have this, I want to be provide food. I said, I said, what's your ultimate goal? I said, what is your ultimate goal in doing this? He goes, you know, to provide food, to be self-sustaining, teach people how they, can, how they can provide for themselves in an inner city garden. I said, what is your ultimate goal? I just kept pushing, what is your ultimate goal? And he kept saying the same thing. I said, no, your ultimate goal is to bring people into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. That's your ultimate goal. Why? Because that's our purpose. Listen, God did not put us here to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and take care of the poor. We should do those things for what? For the purpose of bringing them to Jesus. That's it. And I said, I said, no, your purpose is the gospel. The gospel. And then somebody said, well, it's all the gospel. I said, no, it's not. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. The gospel's not feeding the hungry, clothing the naked. Those are things you do in order to bring people to Jesus. So listen, everything we do here at a church, everything we do here at Western Heights has a purpose to fulfill the Great Commission. That's it. All the ministries we do, whether that's children's ministry, youth ministry, college ministry, music ministry, whatever it is, it should be for the purpose of bringing people into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. If we're not doing that, guess what? We're out there doing our own thing, going our own way. We're having fun and we're meeting together, but we're not accomplishing the task. Everything we do is to bring people into relationship with Jesus Christ. So self-absorption, a task-only focus, and mission blur will destroy a team. So what builds up a healthy team? How does a healthy team become strong? In contrast to self-absorption, we need to talk about personal humility. There's a story in the New Testament that talks about this. Jesus was uh, out ministering in the community and decided one more time they needed to go to the large city of Jerusalem, the metropolis of Jerusalem. They'd rather have been someplace else. They were tired from a long week of ministry, but Jesus insisted, no, we got to go to this city. We, we've got we to have this banquet. We're going to go. They knew the crowd would be there. They knew the opposition would be there. But nevertheless, Jesus wanted to go, so this team of disciples and Jesus went into the city. And while they were doing their thing, he sent two of his disciples ahead to arrange for the banquet. For the feast. And they went there and they prepared it. And then all the team gathered there around to celebrate this banquet. And when they walked in the room, they were fighting. The Bible says they were fighting amongst themselves. They were arguing about themselves. And they were arguing what they were arguing about because somebody had not got somebody to do the menial task 
of washing their feet. Somebody should have hired a slave or a housekeeper or something to wash their feet. And so they were fighting about this. I said, who put this shindig together? Who planned this banquet? Who did this? I didn't do it. I had nothing to do with it. Hey, man, it wasn't me. And Jesus, I believe Jesus sat back and he looked back at, how long do I have to be with these people, God? You know. And I believe he just kind of pushed himself to the front and he picked up a towel and he bent down and he washed the feet. The dirty, stinking, disgusting feet of the disciples. Jesus said in Mark 10, 43, whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant. Whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant. And that little story I just told you, Jesus demonstrates that to his disciples. He says, this is what it looks like. This is what service looks like. This is how you serve one another. And when we bring that kind of humility to the team, and we begin, to, we begin serving, we then understand our unique significance. It's a sure sign of a strong team when each of us brings our unique significance to play on the common goals of the team. Your unique significance builds up the team. Write that down. Your unique significance builds up a team. Look what Paul says in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Paul is saying in this passage that the body is not a single part blown up. It's nothing if you're not plugged into the team. If you're an ear, an eye, a nose, a foot, a big toe, whatever you are. If you're not plugged into the body, guess what? You're not a part of the team. You're not a part of it. You are a part of the body when you plug in regardless of what part you are. Then the body can be what it's supposed to be. God says, I created you. God says, I wired you uniquely. Uh, God, God says, there's no one like you. He says, I have given you spiritual gifts. He said, I've given you a heart of passion for something. He said, I've given you abilities. He said, I've given you a personality, no matter how quirky it might be. He said, I've given you a personality. And he says, I've given you experiences. There's no one like you in all the world. You are unique. And he says, you are unique. And then I put you together with a bunch of unique individuals to form a team. And God says, listen, I won't waste any part of what I've get desi- how I've designed you. I will use everything you are. I'll use that shape that I've made you. And I will use it for my glory. And I will use it for my honor. And I will use it for my prestige. But I will only use it in the context of the body. That's the only way I'm going to use it. In the context of the body. Here's what God says. You matter to him. You are important. You are special. You are unique. And you matter. You know what happens when you bring your significance to any team? Maybe you're an eye or an ear or a big toe. When you bring your unique significance to the team, you know what you do? 
you free somebody else to use their unique significance. Because they're not having to worry about this one because you've got it covered. And they can come over here and function over here and use their unique ability. Listen, if the eye tries to lift something, it cheats the arm out of doing what it can do. If the ear tries to go somewhere, it cheats the feet out of taking it somewhere. You see how it all works? It all works. I always like to say some people have big toes. People laugh about that. Stop and think about the big toe. You know what the big toe does? It gives stability. It's, 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 it stabilizes. Or some of you with thumbs. You ever tried to open anything without a thumb? We think those are small and insignificant, but God arranged every part of our body exactly the way it's meant to be, and He does the same way in His church. Listen, you can be a superhero if you, if you will use your unique abilities to work on a team. And when you work with a team, it creates synergy. Write that down. Synergy builds up a team. Synergy is the collective individual contributions that we make producing a sum that is greater than any of us can accomplish alone. I know that's a long statement. Synergy is the collective individual contributions that we make producing a sum that is greater than any one of us can accomplish alone. One of the first associations I served in, that was our slogan, we can do together what no one of us can do alone. We can do together what no one of us could do alone. If we are the most skilled and we have the most expertise and we run off and do our own thing, the Bible says it will not be as great as if you do it with a team. It just won't be as great. You know, what does it matter? What does it matter if we do that? God says you're a part of the team. But if we go off and do our own stuff and go our own way, guess what? We're not being true to the team. Paul says, God says, when you find your place on the team, you make it possible for others to connect to the team as well. Because we're all connected together. Listen, you are not the wrong person. You might be in the wrong place, but you are not the wrong person. You just haven't found your place of ministry yet. You haven't found your place where you plug in. I would rather have you out there trying all these different areas of ministry than not trying at all. But guess what? I will make you a promise. You get out there and you find a place of ministry, you will eventually find out where God wants you to be. But you will never, you will never find out where God wants you to be on the team by sitting, soaking, and souring. It won't happen. I, I, will, I will guarantee, as much as I love you, as much as I, I treasure your, your wisdom and your knowledge, there is more to you than occupying space. The only thing I can think of that occupies space in my body is an appendix. And they took that puppy out a long time ago. And I'm still functioning. <laughs> can't say that about my liver, about my heart. Can't, can't say that. God has a purpose. God has a plan for you. You may not know where it's at right now, but God says you can find it. So let me ask the question, how are you doing? 
How are you serving? Are you bringing your unique significance with, with humility and synergizing with your team? Focus on the common goals. Is that what you're doing? Have you found your place where you fit in God's plan? You are important. And everything we do here at Western Heights Baptist Church involves team. Everything we do here at Western Heights involves people getting together to perform a common task with a focus. Everything. From the smallest to the greatest. Everything we do revolves around that. And that's the way we're pushing the church. That's the way we're moving. We're not there yet. I envision a time when we would drop committee names and we would say, what ministry team are you on? See, I'm more concerned about our church doing ministry than I am about our church meeting to form committees. We, we probably, in order to do this, I, I say this tongue-in-cheek, but there's a lot of truth in this. Probably in order for us to move in that direction, we would have to form a committee to talk about the feasibility of doing it before we ever decide to do it. You know I'm telling the truth. You want something to die in a church? Put it in a committee. <laughs> the staff, we joked, they said, let's just assign that to the committee. We won't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> Listen, we don't have to have a meeting about what we're doing. At Western Heights Baptist Church, we are here to fulfill the Great Commission. That's it. I don't need a committee to tell me how we can do that. I don't need a committee to tell us, oh, pastor, where are we supposed to go? I said, read your Bible. Go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And what's the promise? He goes, hey, I'm with you. I got you back. I'm with you. You go about doing the things that you can do. I'll do the things that I can do. That's what he says. He says, you do what you can. You make disciples. You baptize them. You teach them. He said, and I'm with you. I am with you. He said, if we're not doing those three things, guess what? Maybe God's not with us. Well, that'll rock your, that'll rock your theology, won't it? Why should he be? Why should he be with us as a church if we're not doing those three things? If you're, not a, if you're a disciple and you're not doing those three things... And oh, God just blessing me so much. Oh, he's blessing me. Oh, he's blessing me. Why? Why? Listen, we are shaping the church to look what God wants it to be. God has a purpose. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose. God has a plan for the teams here at Western Heights Baptist. Mission teams, ministry teams, prayer teams, welcoming teams, teaching teams, care teams, pastoral teams, and any other team that you can think of. The only reason we don't have a team yet is we haven't thought about it. Where's God plugging you in? So what's God's call to you this morning in these closing minutes? Maybe God is calling you to be a part of a team. You don't know what it is, but right now, where you're, where you, we'll be standing here in a minute. Why don't you stand and say, God, plug me in. Whether you're nine or 90, plug me in. Whatever it is, God, that you want me to do, plug me in and help me be a part of a team.
In a moment, we'll have a time of invitation, a time for you to respond to how God is, is speaking to you this morning. We're going to have our team's going to come. Uh, Josh going to come up. Marcy's going to make her way down. They'll be here to stand here at the front. I'll be here. Maybe you need somebody to pray with you. You need somebody to encourage you. Maybe God say, hey, I want to be a part of a team here at Western Heights Baptist Church. Whatever God is leading you to do, we want to invite you to come. As we stand together, as Kip comes to lead us, Marilyn comes to play.